Well, I, I, I just uh, am so glad to be here with you guys today. If you don't know me, my name is Noah Smith, and it probably means you were not with us in uh, junior high, uh, because that's where I've been for the last 10 years. I could never quite, you know, graduate out of junior high. So, um, yeah, and, you know, you guys should assume that you guys are much smarter than me. <clears throat> and uh, by the way, you know, if, if you do show up next week uh, expecting small groups here, but they're in the homes, don't worry, we'll put you in a junior high small group, all right? So if that's not reason enough for you guys to make sure you, you get where you need to go, then I don't know what it is. <clears throat> Let me pray uh, before, we, before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this group of young men and women. And I just pray as we open your word that our hearts would be prepared, even now, to accept the things of the Lord, uh, what you might teach us through this story, and uh, that, that we would be open to being obedient and transformed by the power that is in your word. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So again, we are in this, we are continuing this Judges series. You guys are a couple weeks behind the junior high because you guys have been meeting with the, the main body uh, in uh, the first of each month. How's that been so far? Wonderful. Wonderful. Wonderful, good, you know, all right, well, that's great. Uh, <clears throat> it just means that I preached this a couple of weeks ago, so I had to kind of refresh my mind uh, and kind of revamp it for high school students because you guys participate a little bit differently than junior hires, uh, which is wonderful in some respects, and in other respects, it throws me off because, like, I ask a question in junior high, and you have a million kids raising their hands. Now, is it the candy? Do, do you guys want candy? All right. Senior high staff, it's been heard. You guys ought to have a bowl of candy, and you'll get a lot more participation, uh, and uh, you guys can peg candy at people. <clears throat> but uh, we, we've been going through the series on the judges. Uh, what judges have you guys studied so far? I, it, Samson. Any, any other judges? Was Deborah? Is that what I heard? Deborah, Samson. Is that, is that it so far? What's that? Uh, okay, <clears throat> okay. Um, that dude and the other dude and the, this dude. Uh, okay, so yeah, Samson and uh, and Deborah and Barack, um, <clears throat> not our president, former president. Um, but uh, we are actually going to be continuing our study on Samson, where where we have this is Samson part two. Now I know Aaron preached last week. On, uh, and he, I think he made use of a lot of uh, Lego pictures and whatnot. Um, I won't be having any of that, so I'm sorry. He basically went through the whole story. You know, he took, he took all of it from me. So we're just going to have the Bible. Sorry. <clears throat> but before we, before we begin, because we're going to look at a little different aspect of the life of Samson, because there's, there's a lot to talk about with this dude. Uh, and I'd like to ask you guys a question. Um, who would admit to being competitive in this room? All right. Definitely a lot over there and not as much over here, but with some, with some exceptions. All right. What, what kind of things are you guys competitive in? Because some people, you know, sports, uh, it may be uh, competitive in academics, uh, it may be competitive in uh, just sibling rivalry. What are some of the things y'all are? Board games, card games. What What are you guys competitive in? 
or just anything. Yeah. Okay, and being being a favorite. Of, actually, somebody from somebody in the junior high said the same thing. Um, what else? Smash Bros. Smash Bros. All right, me and you got to play then. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. Who's who's your main, Sterling? Uh, young Link. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you drink a little bit more milk, okay? <laughs> uh, what what are some other things? Anything else? What's that? What'd you say? Arm wrestling, okay. I beat every Sterling wins every time. I, well, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can be competitive in. We, you know, and some people are just competitive, period. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you're competitive in it. And for me, that's the only way I can really get into the junior high games is, you know, uh, is like I, I want to win and that makes me get into it. So there is something to be said for you know, throwing dodgeballs at middle school students. And it's one of the things that's kept me around for a number of years. So <clears throat> anyways, not, not going to go, not going to mention paintball at summer camp. But if I was having to go up against senior hires in paintball, it'd be a different story. But junior hires, it's, it's, a, it's a sweet time. Um, <clears throat> now, I grew up, uh, many of you guys, many of you guys may not know, I, I grew up in a large family. I'm one of eight, actually, Amos, who was here uh, with the worship team, uh, is the youngest of the eight. So he's baby, baby brother. Um, and, uh, and actually, he kind of ruined the, the family in, in, a, in a certain way. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's great. He's great. He's great. I love Amos. He's actually a, a wonderful human being, better than me. But in this sense, and it's maybe my OCD, but, you know, we start out four boys, all right, I'm the second, and they're all Old Testament names. I'll quiz you after, but yeah, there's Jesse, Noah, Elijah, Jonah, all right? And then there was three girls, Hannah, Rebecca, Sarah, and then Amos. He totally <laughs> threw off the symmetry there, you know, the four boys, you know, and then could have been four girls, but now it's always the four boys, the three girls, and Amos, as if he's <laughs> something else. Um, <clears throat> but otherwise, yeah, he's... He's, he's probably the best of us. Um, but um, yeah, just to, just to say that the first, the four boys that I grew up with, it almost felt like a different family and we were competitive in everything. Okay. Uh, who was, you know, the fastest, who was the strongest, who was the coolest, who was the smartest, who was the best with the ladies, you know, all, it doesn't matter. It was, it was a competition and, um, you know, uh, one day, uh, this was back when my younger brother Elijah was in high school, we woke up one day to uh, observing the fridge had uh, magnetized on it a list of his accolades, of his, the, all the things that he was best at. And he said, smartest, strongest, most athletic, most swag, because that was a cool word back then. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, you know, the best in everything. And we all kind of laughed, chuckled at it because if you got to make a list, then, you know, what, what does that say? You know, you're, you're really, you know, it goes without saying if it's true, right? So anyways, all this leading up to this, this first table question that I'd like you guys to discuss for a quick minute. Uh, and that is, what do you brag about? What is your list? Okay. Talk about it. And if you're humble, great. But what are the things that you're like, yeah, this is me. Yeah, you can keep me up. <clears throat> so um, what, are, what, are, what are some of the things you all brag about? 
if you're real, what are the things that you, and yeah. Academics, all right, yeah. Uh, you have bragged that to me before, yeah. He does brag about that. Pain tolerance. Pain tolerance, okay, yeah. Like, what? Uh, this, like, junior hires in, like, eighth grade, a certain strand of boys shows up in flip-flops and shorts, no matter how cold, and they're just like, what? You know? And they have no hair on their legs, like, you know... And I'm like, dude, this is not comfortable. Um, but yeah, uh, I can take anything, right? Any, what else do we brag about? Friends. Friends. Okay, yeah, how popular I am. How, how many friends I got. Uh, that kind of thing. Oh, that's not the way? What was the way? You're bragging, oh, my friend is so great? Okay. Well, that's, that's a nice kind of brag. He's a nice guy. You guys should be friends. Yeah. Beating, winning in Smash Bros. Night every year? Second place. Oh, second place. Okay. Second place is kind of cool, I guess. Sorry. All right, last one. Jaden. I don't think that ever happened, to my knowledge. I, I, think, you're, I think you're misremembering things, Jaden. All right. Next question. Um, yeah, Jaden was in my junior one, one of my several junior high groups over the, in the past. And I don't recall that, seriously, but it might have just been my memory just blocking it purposely. Well, uh, you know, one of the things I was very competitive in growing up was basketball. Uh, and, uh, you know, in kind of thinking about this and, and, and the things, how we kind of tend to brag about things, uh, there's one thing that, uh, one video clip that came to mind, and it's, it's um, you know, uh, from a, a championship, uh, NBA championship team, like over almost 15 years ago now, but uh, if we could play that first clip. Anything's possible. Anything's possible! All right, so that's Kevin Garnett. The Boston Celtics just won the NBA championship in 2009. They beat Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, and he was asked, like, you know, Kevin, like, how do you feel after, you know, this amazing victory? And that's how he responds. Anything is possible! All right, he's invincible. He's like, everything is, you know, you've heard all those, you know, uh, you can do anything, you know, that you set your mind to and all those, you know, we, and, and there's some truth to some of that kind of stuff, but then there's some real not truth to some of that stuff because uh, you can't really do anything. Anything is not, in, anything is not possible, um, but sometimes, and especially I think when we're younger, I see this with junior hires and I see it with senior hires and I see it. Uh, you know, the older you get, the less you tend to believe it, but that we kind of think that we're invincible sometimes. We kind of think that we can do anything. Uh, and um, that clip reminded me of another clip that I'd like to play for, uh, for you all. Uh, so it's very important. mind-blowing finish to an incredible game tonight with Charlie Sanders winning the game in literally the last second. Uh, unbelievable, truly spectacular. Charlie Sanders, how does it feel? Hey, y'all, I want to say something to everybody watching. Yo, you can do anything. Anything's possible. The world is yours. Charlie, did you think that that game was going to end that way tonight? Yo, there are no limits, all right? You can swim across the Atlantic. You can jump real high and touch the moon. Fantastic. Charlie Sanders, fresh off of his uh, victory, uh, just feel like he's ready to touch the moon. I can fly! 
fly. Anybody can fly. If you believe in yourself the way I believe in myself tonight, you will fly. And what's next for Charlie Sanders and the Orange? Kids, you can actually fly. <laughs> no, no, not, well, not literally. Yes, literally, kids, young kids. I want you to go up on your roofs right now. What? Fly into the night sky. Okay. People will see you flying, and you can do anything. You can do anything. We, 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 uh, we just want to remind the kids that, of course, you cannot actually fly, kids. Come on, y'all, screw that negativity, man. Hey, boys and girls, ages 8 through 12, yo, don't let nobody ever tell you what you can and cannot do. All the preteen children out there, listen to my voice. You are immortal. Okay, well, obviously, we understand that Charlie is super excited right now and that no one is actually immortal. No. You could turn yourself into a car and have a friend drive you onto the freeway. Okay, no, well, that's just a metaphor, kids. It's not. Just you a still have the power of childish innocence. Get a friend on your back and make a beeline for the next ramp to the freeway, y'all. Okay, don't do to it. To the he's, freeway. He's speaking figuratively, no, folks. Once you get just... there, ain't nothing figurative about this. You will turn into a robot. First and foremost, I just want to say to our families who lost children, Sorry, my statements were irresponsible. I have subsequently looked up the terms literally and metaphorically and found that whereas I was not incorrect, they did not mean what I thought they had meant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, the Kevin Garnett clip came to my mind and then I knew I had to show that video. Uh, but there is a point to it. And, uh, and by the way, just as a disclaimer, uh, Rest in Bible Church does not endorse that video in any, in any way if, uh, or encourage anybody to try to fly or get on the freeway. Uh, if you do that uh, from experience, uh, it will not work out well. <clears throat> now, 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 not my experience, but uh, that's a different story. <clears throat> so, anyways, uh, you can ask about uh, after. But the reason I showed those videos was that there is this sense of invincibility that we think that we can do whatever and the consequences will never come. That we are immune uh, because we are so great and so gifted. Uh, and this certainly was the case with Samson. And, and that's kind of the aspect that we want to look at today. I mean, Samson was gifted in ways that are really hard to fathom. I mean, his potential was off the charts. I'm getting a little echo here. Um, but his lack of self-control uh, in his desires that Aaron spoke about last week, coupled with his arrogance, is ultimately why Samson, for us, is infamous and not famous. He is an example of what not to do rather than what to do. Uh, and so uh, last week's main key point that Aaron had was, if you don't desire God, your desires will rule you. This week's key point is this. Uh, <clears throat> true strength is always paired with humility. Now, to see this more clearly, we have to go back to Samson's kind of origin story in chapter 13 uh, and, uh, and, and look at the, uh, which is the story of the, you know, uh, the angel meeting Samson's mother and, and prophesying of, of his eventual birth. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 2 through 5. You can see them up on the screen. Uh, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. 
the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to be, become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to become a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So uh, this is obviously, um, you know, uh, an interesting encounter, one that, you know, doesn't happen all the time. Uh, Although it's in line with several kind of miraculous uh, births, if you will, in, found in the Bible, you know, Abraham and Sarah, right? Uh, <clears throat> the book of Hannah uh, has one. Uh, later in the New Testament, John the Baptist's parents with Elizabeth uh, and Zacharias, uh, the, you know, this, this theme kind of happens over and over again. Um, and obviously, the, the birth of Christ is unique. Uh, but what is different about this birth is, is kind of the instructions uh, involving around the Nazarite uh, vow that, that he is to be a Nazarite. Some of the weird things that, that he says that she is, she's not to, you know, drink of any alcohol. Uh, she's, she's not to, uh, touch any dead thing, eat any unclean food, uh, or allow any razor to be, you know, uh, to cut any of his hair basically. Now this may seem weird to you, but, uh, the, what's being referred to, you can read more about in the book of numbers chapter six explains that the Nazarite uh, law was something that God said that if people wanted to uh, have a special kind of like dedication to the Lord, uh, you might think of it similar to like, um, I'm really going to focus on my relationship with the Lord by like fasting or something like that. He says that there's, there's a special way that you can kind of dedicate yourself for a time to God and you are to do these things or not do these things. You're not to touch anything dead. You're not to drink uh, from anything from the fruit of the vine, and you're not to cut your hair. Um, now, this may seem weird to us, but it was all kind of blended with uh, ritual uh, purity. Uh, the idea of like cutting your hair uh, is cutting something off that's, that's life, uh, you know, a sign of life and health. And so that's why you weren't to cut, uh, yeah, uh, and, 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 you know, clean and unclean, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to touch something dead because it's associated with death. You're not to drink something that's fermented because fermentation is decay, right? So, you know, it may seem weird to us from our context, but that was kind of the idea behind it. But, but the difference here is that Samson, whereas most people only did a Nazarite vow for a time, Samson was to be dedicated for his, the entirety of his life. He was to be set apart, really. And that's what this is about. This is about, you know, God is saying, I'm going to miraculously give you a son, and he is to, his whole life is to be dedicated to the Lord. His whole life is to be, you know, set apart. Uh, he had a holy calling. It's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and, you know, in the book of First Samuel, which is the same time period in the time of the judges, uh, if you read about the story of Hannah, who's unable to give birth, she does this voluntarily. She prays to the Lord. She says, if you give me a son, she was barren. She said, I will give him back to you. I will dedicate him to you. And, and, uh, and, and it said, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I will not cut his hair. You know, it's the same idea. Um, whereas here, God is just telling them that this is what's going to happen. There, Hannah is willingly offering that to the Lord, offering her son to the Lord. So I know it seems weird, but that is an important detail that's going to frame the rest of Samson's life 
that we're going to track through, and we're going to look at three different passages uh, that we're going to we're going to we're going to look at three different passages that uh, will kind of uh, will need to kind of understand this background for them to make sense for us. And and the problem is, so Samson will grow up, and this is kind of the main thing that ties into those videos. Is Samson what we'll find eventually forgot that his strength was a gift from God and began to believe that he was the source of his own strength, that it was his own ability. He started to believe that he was invincible. And I think we can do a lot of the same. Sometimes we forget that we are not the source of our abilities. They are actually gifts to us. So uh, we're going to look at three passages that that kind of uh, note this, and I'm going to read each one, and I'm going to treat you guys like junior hires uh, in in the way that I want to interact with you. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to ask you guys, what do you guys think about this? What stands out to you? So, you know, don't be afraid to answer, you know, when I ask you questions. I'm preparing you guys. So the first passage that we're going to look at is in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 through 9, and that is this. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Some time later, when he went back to Timnah, he turned aside to look excuse me, uh, at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. So, um, with that story, what stands out to you guys? What, uh, is there anything, uh, you know, related to what we looked at in chapter 13? What, what, yeah, Josh. It's disgusting how he ate out of a dead carcass. Yeah, it's kind of gross, right? <laughs> um, it's disgusting. He ate out of something that was dead. Yes. Uh, Spirit of the Lord came upon him, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Well, uh, the lion, because the lion was attacking them, so so you you know how the how I I can only say by the spirit of the Lord, but yes, Aaron. How can somebody eat something inside a lion? Uh, how can you tear apart a lion? I do it every day. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 that's part of the, the, the part that I was saying with Samson is, is unfathomable. It's hard to imagine some of the things that he does. This isn't even, I think, the, the craziest thing to, to get your mind around. But, um, but yeah, I think several of these things are important that you guys pointed out, and I'm glad you did. One, it says that the Spirit of the Lord, uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is not Samson, you know, flexing, right? It's God coming upon Samson to empower him to do something that is out of the scope of human possibility, okay? So the how, that's the how. That's the best thing, way that I can explain that. And it's important because it's something that eventually Samson will forget. Now, why, you know, uh, it's compared to ripping a goat or if you have a King James version, it's say rips a kid. A kid is a, a baby goat, by the way. So just to clear that up, uh, 
is, is, uh, it is I don't know why that, there's that comparison. I don't know why people are ripping goats. Uh, but, but he does it basically like somebody would uh, rip a goat. Uh, and, and so, but the other thing is, I think, important what Josh pointed out was that he is eating something that is in contact with something that's dead, which is directly going against the Nazarite vow that he is supposed to be abiding by. And also, this is something that one of the junior hires pointed out. It said that he was heading towards the vineyards. Now, it doesn't say that he drank anything, but I think the author is putting that part in there to clue you into this point still, that he is pushing the limits of what he is supposed to do. And I think a lot of times uh, I hear from students, you know, questions such as, is it okay if I fill in the blank? Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's some sort of activity, is it okay if I do this? Whereas the right question should be, um, you know, how can I best use my time? How can I best use my energy? How can I best use my mind for the Lord? Not where's the boundary line so I can flirt with it? Because that's what Samson's doing here. So this is the first story. And I told you we're going to go through them. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, So the next one is in chapter 15. And this is uh, just a little bit of context. Um, You know, Samson, uh, he is... uh, Basically, the whole story of Samson is like, Samson does something... Uh, he, uh, somebody upsets Samson, so Samson gets revenge for something that they did, which then re- leads to them retaliating against Samson, which then leads Samson to retaliating back, and it goes back and forth and back and forth. So after this point, um, that last story was on the way uh, to marrying a Philistine, uh, which is another thing that you were not supposed to do, um, but he's, he, he wants to do it, and Aaron talked more about that last week, so we won't address that again, but all that to say, at this point, uh, he didn't like how things turned out, and so he decides to, I don't know how, uh, wrangle up 300 foxes, light them on fire, and send them through the Philistines' fields to burn up their crops. Philistines are not happy with that. At this time, the Philistines are in charge. They are oppressing the, uh, the Israelites, and Samson was uh, supposed to be called to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. So the Philistines go to the people of Israel, and they say, hey, hand us over this guy. We don't like him because he's doing things. He's killing us. He's killing our crops, etc." So Samson says, all right, you can, you can hand me over to them, but tie me up with ropes. And so this is where we come to at this point. He's being handed over to the Philistines. And it says, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and the ropes of his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands and finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Uh, Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. So what stands out to us about this little story? Yes. Um, He used a donkey's jawbone, which is like a bone. Okay, yeah, and I think the the key thing there is if it had dried out, it would not have been considered unclean for them. Uh, But it says, it specifically says a fresh jawbone. Again, pushing that line. Uh, maybe that's all he had around him. I don't know, but I don't know why you don't trade for a sword after you kill the first guy or a spear or something. But anyways, he does it with a jawbone. Yeah. Well, it just said he picked up a fresh jawbone. It was in Lehi. That's all it says. <clears throat> so, 
Um, anything else stand out to you guys? He has what? He can rhyme. He can rhyme. Yeah, 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 he has bars. Sorry, not not so hip. Um, yes. Again, it's the spirit of the Lord that comes upon him, right? It's not him, uh, and yet from his bars, uh, uh, just a sec. Uh, he he is he is busting rhymes about you know him. Yeah, he's busting a rhyme here. Okay. He's bars, barring. Wait, wait, wait. That doesn't sound good, you know. Uh, he's, he's singing. He's singing about, you know, he does this little gloat poem, if you will. That's how I say it. It's a gloat poem. It's, who's getting the credit for this victory? Is it the Lord? No. With a, the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. Uh, were you going to say something? I was going to say, there's two eyes. He's referring to himself as the thing that gave it power. Yeah. Exactly. So he's already starting to do that thing that I mentioned earlier. He's starting to mistake the spirit of the Lord and the gifts of the Lord for his own abilities and thinking that it was him uh, that, that did it by his strength. Remember, true strength is always paired with humility. So, and if you compare this with, uh, with basically uh, how, this is how Deborah, you guys have already learned about Deborah. This is how Deborah and Barak uh, you know, uh, give credit, sing their song in chapter five after the Lord gives them victory in chapter four. They say, on that day, Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings, listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel in song. It's all about God. When the people do this, yeah, they're playing a part, but it's the Lord who's to be praised because they acknowledge that the source of their victory is God. It's not found in themselves. Samson, there is none of this. It's all about me. It's all about what I have done and my accomplishments. And right after this, actually, we'll read, uh, this happens immediately after his victory of killing a thousand men. It's impressive. Uh, But he says, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. And when Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So immediately after Samson's incredible victory, God is trying to remind him that it's not all him that it's the Lord and he is human and humans get tired and thirsty, right? Even after incredible bouts of strength and valor, he is thirsty and he will die if he doesn't drink water. And so God needs to miraculously provide water for him to remind him, where is your source of sustenance? Where is your source of life? And likewise, do we need to be reminded of this? I think we do sometimes. Because we tend to buy into that same lie that I am the source of my abilities instead of that my abilities are actually gifts from God. Uh, and so, and even this, like he takes all the credit for his victories and his good things, but he blames God for all the bad things. I'm thirsty. So I think we also sometimes like to take the credit for the good things, but like to shirk the blame when we're going through bad things. And that's not fair. Um, and I think this story is pointing to that. So again, remember, you know, 
key, uh, the key point, true strength is always paired with humility. So I want to do another table question discussion time. Uh, I may cut you off short because I went long in the junior high and I have less time here in the senior high. So, uh, but I'd like you guys to discuss these three things. So go for it. All right. <clears throat> okay. So I know a lot of you guys are probably still talking. We're going to get back to it. But I think, I think these are good questions to ask and to realize uh, because this is our tendency. And whether, you know, um, m- maybe you haven't been tempted in that way, uh, my experience, uh, and, and this is something that you guys probably all can identify with as, as high school students now. If not, you probably will in college. Uh, but uh, something that's called the group project. All right? And in every group project I've ever been in, There are people who are putting the team on their back, and then there are people that are happy to just be along for the ride. Uh, And and basically, they are happy to take the credit for the work of other people. Uh, And and, and I think, you know, that uh, if you haven't experienced that yet, it's a reality that we like to take credit for things when they're good, like Samson, and we like to uh, shirk responsibility when its consequences are bad things. Um, and, uh, and we don't like it when people take the credit for us. But then as we think about God, how much credit do we give the Lord uh, in our everyday doings? Uh, and it's a valid question to think about. Now, we have to move on, though, and I want to look at this last story, and it's probably the most famous or well-known of the stories with Samson, and that is as it relates to Delilah, uh, Samson and Delilah. So we're going we're gonna to look at this story uh, and, uh, and talk about it. So sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman uh, in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So gold digger, right? Um, <clears throat> not exactly, but, uh, but, but, you know, so this is setting up the plot for what's going to happen. And you guys know the story. Um, and I, I'm kind of thrown off by like, you know, immediately after this, I think what she says, what she says to him uh, is, um, Delilah said to Samson in verse six, please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. If a girl asks me that straight up, I'm like, Maybe I need to look for somebody else, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but Samson, again, he's starting to think that he's invincible, right? And so he has, and he loves to just, you know, play with people's minds and stuff. So this is all a game to him. So, you know, he tells her one way and, and, and says, you know, if you bind me with, with fresh cords. Now, one thing to point out with that, the way that they would make that was with you know, animal parts, actually, like if you're familiar with how you make leather and uh, you, you tan things, not like on a beach. But uh, again, fresh cords, dead things, okay? Again, it's pointing to that. Uh, so he's testing, he's pushing. And then, uh, you know, he moves on from that uh, to, you know, ropes. And then she says, if you tie my hair in a loom, getting closer to the truth, right? You know, he starts mentioning stuff about his hair. Uh, and then eventually he gets to this point where it says that, you know, well, nagging him to death, basically. Uh, Delilah with the tears, and this is what always gets Samson is the tears. Uh, I did back in chapter 14 too. How can you say, I love you, 
when you won't confide in me. You know, that's, that's Delilah here. Um, I'm, I'm, anyways. Uh, this is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. And if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. Excuse me, my eyes uh, got off of my spot. Uh, He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she uh, she called for someone to cut and shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Dude's a heavy sleeper, by the way. Um, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free, but did not know that the Lord had left him. And, um, and the Philistines will then, you know, go on to bind him, poke out his eyes and basically subjugate him to, um, you know, physical labor. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is kind of where it's left. And, and I, I, I underline that phrase, um, he did not know that the Lord had left him, because I think it's one of the most tragic verses in the entire Bible. Uh, he had, you know, and, and sometimes people are like, how could Samson be so dumb that, you know, he did not, um, uh, he, he didn't, uh, or that he, you know, trusted Delilah. And I don't think that's the point. I think Samson knew that Delilah was going to try, and I think he believed that it wasn't about his hair, that it wasn't about God, and that it was all him. And this was kind of that final line that he crossed and, and did not realize, because he shakes himself off even after his hair's gone and says, I'm going to do it just like I've always done it. And yet, he, without the Lord, he's just a man. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I, I'm going to kind of go through a lot of these, you know, this is just like the end of the story. Uh, you know, they are parading him in the Philistine temple to the, their God, Dagon, their bars, you know, uh, their song, uh, you know, they, they celebrate uh, and say, you know, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who laid waste our land is now uh, and multiplied our slain. Uh, and they asked him to be brought out to entertain him entertain them. It's in the big temple of Dagon. Uh, There's many, many people in there. And it says that Samson prays to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me, please. God, strengthen me just once more. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And he reached towards the pillars and he tears them down. And he says, let me die with the Philistines and destroys, uh, kills a bunch of Philistines. uh, More so in that instance, um, in his weakness than he did in all the time with his strength. But if you recall, like even his last prayer is, God, you know, give me, give me revenge. That's, that's what he wants. It's about him again. In all of his life and all of his magnificent doings, none of it is in response to the call God had for his life, which was to deliver his people and to be set apart as holy. Samson did none of those things. Everything that Samson did was not to, with his people in mind or with God in mind, but just with himself in mind. Last week, you know, the first thing it says about him, I saw a girl, I want her, go get her for me, you know? And then, you know, uh, oh, these people I'm angry with, I kill them. Like, this is what he does. He is very instinctual. That's all he does. 
Um, and even at the end here, it's not submitting to the Lord. It's saying, hey, God, give me vengeance. Uh, and, and, he, and he gets it. Um, now, why would, why would God use such a person? Uh, and I think that's a legitimate question, but we have to remember that judge's spiral that, that Aaron talked about at the beginning of this series is that that's the story of judges. It's a downward spiral because everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes. And Samson is at the bottom of that spiral. You guys are not listening to them chronologically. Uh, so, you know, we're actually, you know, Samson's at the bottom of that spiral. He's the worst judge because he absolutely is only about himself. Um, and yet, I think we are more like Samson than we tend to think. I mean, how often do we take credit for the work of God? How often do we squander the gifts that God has given us uh, by just doing them for our own desires? Uh, how often do we mistake the strength of God for our own? I think we all do that from time to time. And so there are two takeaways, and I know I'm running out of, uh, really running out of time, but that's okay. Uh, I will go fast. Two takeaways that I, I want to explain. One is having a gifts mentality instead of having an abilities mentality. And I've already talked about this a little bit. But everything that we have, from the breath in our lungs to beating of our hearts, uh, you know, every gift that we have is from God. Uh, and without God, we have nothing. Without God, you stop breathing. You stop existing, okay? We need God for literally everything. And yet, we often don't think about him. And one way that you can discern whether you have a gifts mentality or an abilities mentality, that's all about me, is by answering the question, you know, um, by answering the question, who gets the credit? When you do things, who gets the credit? I think it's a, it's a question that we all need to ask. With Samson, it was he got the credit. With Deborah, it was God got the credit. Even with Memma, what she was talking about today when she was being interviewed, it's like, I'm doing all these things and our natural inclination is like we want them to be seen. We want the credit. But she was reminded that this is working for the Lord. It's the Lord who gets the credit, right? Uh, and so that's the first point. And the second point is this. Uh, well, this is a verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 that basically says, why are you acting like you know, you are the source of your abilities. You can read it. Uh, that's my paraphrase. But the second point is this. Confidence is only as good as the object of one's confidence. Uh, I know we live in an affirmation culture. Uh, I, I have many participation uh, badges from, you know, physical fitness. I always got that yellow one, you know, that, which means that you participated, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, participation trophies after every season, doesn't matter if you won the tournament or not, you get a trophy. That's the way our culture is. Um, however, uh, you know, as Christians, we have reasons to be confident, uh, but they're not in our abilities. They're in, uh, they must be grounded in the person and work of Christ. Because unlike Samson, Jesus followed God's will and lived completely holy life in order to honor, uh, to honor God. Unlike Samson, Jesus did not give in to temptation. Unlike Samson, Jesus never sought revenge. At the end there, Samson's dying prayer is, let me kill these people. Let me get my revenge. Meanwhile, Christ giving up his, giving up his own life says, Father, forgive them. All right? Totally different. Um, unlike Samson, Jesus was the embodiment of strength paired with humility. And, and, and Samson's life and death brought about the death of thousands, while Jesus's life and death brought about eternal life 
for everybody who believes. Jesus has to be the source of our confidence, of our boasting. Uh, In fact, in talking about boasting, we asked, what do you brag about? What do you boast about? Uh, This is what what Paul says. He says, you know, my grace, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, I take the credit for my weaknesses, but I give God the credit for the strength, the abilities, the gifts. Even if I'm doing them, it's God who gets the glory. And that's the opposite of what Samson did. He wanted to shirk the weaknesses, the the, the responsibilities, and he wanted to get all the glory. Paul says the exact opposite. And so I think we need to just remember that true strength is always paired with humility, but we have strength. It's just God's strength, and we need to acknowledge that. Um, so let me pray, and then uh, I think there's one more worship song. God, I, I just really pray um, that that we all would, would ask ourselves some of these tough questions. Who is getting the credit for the, the accomplishments? Who is the one that we recognize as the source of our strength and our hope? Uh, it has to be you, Jesus. And I just pray, if, if there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus, does not have a relationship with Jesus, that they would recognize that he is our Lord and he did not take life, but he gave life by laying down his own. And that in that, we can have life in his name. I pray that anybody who doesn't understand that would, would place their faith in you and you alone, Jesus, for salvation. And also, if we are believers here, Lord, that we would again remind ourselves and recognize that it is from Christ and Christ alone that we are able to do anything. Because as you said, Lord, apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's in Jesus' great name that I lift up this morning, this week, this group 